Today is Tuesday, March 21, 2017. On Sunday, our daughter was packing and getting everything ready to leave that evening to join her FFA group at the barn where they were all going to be leaving from to drive to Houston. This week is the Houston Rodeo and Livestock Show and our daughter is participating in that with her show steer. And on Sunday afternoon, Mike was at my house and Tori was there getting her stuff ready and her stuff packed and food, snacks, clothes, toiletries, all of those things ready for her trip. And I had purchased for her some little travel size shampoos and soaps and shaving cream and that kind of thing and some other stuff that she needed for the trip. And while she was packing, a conversation came up about her driving herself to the barn where she planned to leave her park her truck parked for the entire week and I said to her no I would really like your truck to be parked at home I mean she's going to be gone Sunday through Friday so an entire week Uh, I said I'd like your truck to be parked at home So it's in the driveway. I think it's safer. I can keep an eye on it. You know, it's a 2016 Silverado. And um, I said, I I would like it at home. And she said, no, I'm going to drive myself to the barn and leave my truck parked up there all week, which is about four miles, four or five miles from our house. She said, I I want my truck there. And I said, well, Tori, there's, there's really no reason to have your truck just sitting up there at the barn all week long. Um... I would rather have it at home. I think it's safer. I like a truck being in our driveway. It looks like someone is home. And I said, and you know, if something would go wrong with my car, which there's no reason to think that it would, but if something would go wrong with my car, I've got your truck there and I could use it to get to work if I had to. And she said, no, I'm driving myself to the barn and I want, I don't want to not have a vehicle there. I want to have my truck there. And I said, well, that's silly because it's just going to sit in a dark, tiny, cramped parking lot. There's never enough parking there anyway. And it's pitch dark. And I said, and besides, your dad is driving to Houston this week and you're riding back with him. And you're going to be coming back very late Friday night. It would be much better to have your dad just drop you off right here at home rather than you having to go to the barn and drive home very late at night. I think it's going to be 10 or 11 or later Friday night. Anyway, back and forth we went, and it became heated, and I dug in, and she dug in, and I said, look, I'm not going to argue with you. Your truck is going to be parked at home, and that's it. And I said, you can have me drive you to the barn, or you can have your dad drive you to the barn. Well, she was just pissed and was so angry. You know, I could see she's on the border of tears, and I didn't understand why she was so adamant about parking her truck up there. I don't know if it's just an independence thing or she just wants to be like her friends or she just wants to be contrary to me. I have no idea. But the whole time we're going back and forth and this is about a 20-minute conversation, Mike is saying nothing, absolutely not speaking. Not a word was coming out of his mouth. And the only thing he did say was, you know, Tori, I'm happy to, to take you to the barn. You know, that's fine. 
But he said nothing. So then Tori was clearly very pissed off and knocked something over or was acting aggressively, which is unusual for her. And I said, you know what? Let's take a walk to the mailbox because I knew her, her driver's license recently expired and I knew that her renewed driver's license was probably in the mailbox and she needs it for her trip. And she said, no, I don't want to go to the mailbox. I'll, I'll do it later. I said, put your shoes on. We're taking a walk to the mailbox. And it's rare that I use that tone with her. Very rare. And it's very rare that I make a demand such as that. So she complied. She went and put her shoes on and we took a walk to the mailbox. I had us take the long way, um, which is not a very long walk at all. It's maybe 10 houses away. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't understand your attitude and your behavior towards me. I said, I do everything for you. I support you. I want to be part of your success. I'm lifting you up. I'm giving you all the love and support you could need. And I, I just get this pushback from you. And she said, and she started to cry and she said, you just don't ever hear me. You don't care what I think and you just don't listen. And you know, this kind of thing. And I said, no, I do listen to you. And I do carefully consider everything you say. I trust you. I trust your judgments. I said, but just because I disagree with you does not mean I don't hear you or I don't trust you or respect you. I said, I think it's silly to have your new truck sitting up in a dark, tiny parking lot out in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's no reason to have it sitting there. I would rather have it in the driveway. And she said, well, fine, you won that. That's fine, you know, whatever. And dad's just gonna take me. I said, well, I don't understand the ugliness. You know, I said, Tori, and this is the first time I've ever said this to her. I said, I think you're acting like a spoiled brat. I said, you know, you have a brand new Chevy Silverado. I just made the $780 truck payment. You've got everything you need, all the money you want, a, a show steer, an iPhone, all this stuff. And I said, and all I ask from you is just some respect, just some respect for that. And I know you can't get respect by demanding it, but I really wanted her to see how she was behaving. And, you know, she told me that that she does have respect, but that um, I don't listen to her and I don't care what she thinks and, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is probably a lot of typical teenage stuff. And she said that I'm disrespectful and rude to her. And I said, give me, give me an example, please think of something. And she named a time when I had to call her and my son to return to the house to help me lift the giant utility lid in the yard to turn the water off. It's when we had a shower emergency and I'm not able to lift this giant metal lid in the yard. So I, they were on their way to school and I called them back and I said, hey, please turn the truck around. I need help. Otherwise we'd have water gushing out of our shower the entire day while everyone was gone. And she was very mad about having to turn the car around and come back. I could not lift the lid and I could not turn the bolt in the yard to get the water turned off and so she was very angry that they had to turn around they were maybe a mile from the house and she said that was the time you made me turn around you didn't even try you didn't even try to get the the water turned off by yourself you just wanted somebody to come back and do it for you I said well actually that's not true I am not physically able to lift the lid in the yard I needed help and I said 
and I needed your help and your brother's help. MD was supposed to have done it before you guys left the house and he didn't do it. And I said, I'm sorry that you had to come back and do something to help your family. I said, what if it was one of your friends? What if it was Mary or Camille or Sarah or one of your friends? You know, would you have treated them the same way? Would you have been that angry if they called you and really needed your help? Well, no. I said, that's right. So I'm your mother and this is your home. Why, why are you so angry that you had to turn around and come back and help your family? And she said, well, now, now you're just trying to make me feel guilty. I said, well, I'm sorry if you feel guilty, but what I asked of you was not unreasonable. It didn't take 10 minutes of your time. And, but anyway, that was her example of me being disrespectful and not listening to her. <clears throat> so we kept talking and walking and we got the mail. And when we got back to the house, I made her sit on the front porch with me and talk to me. And she kept saying, I've got to go. I've got to go get ready. I've got to get to the barn. And I said, no, we're not, you're not going anywhere until we resolve this. Cause you're not going to leave town for a week with us in a fight like this. And I told her, I said, Tori, I am not a perfect mother. I am so not perfect. And I make mistakes and I say things even later that I regret. I'm not always patient. I'm not always understanding. I said, but everything I do is out of love and is out of trying to do the right thing. And I know you can't always see that or don't always agree. I said, but if I say or do something that's very upsetting to you, please tell me right when it happens. Tell me at the moment because you don't tell me and then I don't know that there's a problem or that you're angry over something and it just festers. So please tell me, will you do that? And she said she would. I said, you know, we have an opportunity to make our relationship a better one. I said, I know our relationship is not, is not great right now. You know, I feel distance between us and all of this. And she said, yes, that she didn't feel close to me. And, and I said, well, you know, we have the opportunity to make it better. Why don't we do that? Why don't we try to do that? I want to be close to you. I want to have a better relationship with you. And I said, you know, please forgive me for the things that I'm not perfect in and, I, and I'll forgive you also. Let's try to be better. And she said, okay, okay. And I think she was just trying to placate me so that she could get back in the house and finish getting ready. But I didn't want to let her leave like that. But she doesn't want to have these difficult conversations. I think she's like her dad in that things have to be pretty bad and then you have to force the other person to talk before anything really gets accomplished. So we get back into the house and I said, look, if it is really that important to you to drive your truck to the barn and leave it parked for a week, so be it. I said, but you're doing it against my wishes. I wish you would leave your truck at home in the driveway. It's safer. It makes me feel safer. It's available if there's a problem with my car. And um, I said, but I will leave it up to you, but you know what my wishes are. Well, of course, she drove herself to the barn and disregarded my wishes. So while Tori was upstairs gathering the rest of her stuff, Mike, who's still laying on the sofa, not saying a word, says to me quietly in a hushed voice that our daughter could not hear. He said, you know, I agree with you the truck should stay here. It's silly for her to park that thing up at the barn for a week 
you know, it's just sitting out there in the middle of nowhere. I think it's a lot safer here. And I said, Mike, why did you not chime in? Why wouldn't you tell her that that you agree with me or that you think it's a good idea for it to be left here at home? Why, you know, I mean, he just leaves me twisting in the wind, having a, an, a disagreement with her. And he said, because I'm not getting in the middle of all of that. And it was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's one of the reasons why we are getting a divorce. That's right. Because, and I didn't say this, but this is what I'm thinking. This is why I'm divorcing this person. Because he never wants to get in the, quote, middle of it. Like he says, I don't want to get in the middle of that. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to get in the middle of it. Sometimes you do. And one of the biggest downfalls that Mike and I had was that we never had a unified front. We never had, we never behaved like, okay, we're the parents. This is what we believe is right. He would let me argue or let me make tough decisions or decisions that were unpopular with our kids. And he would never back me up. He was never my backup. And, and it reminded me of one of the things that I hated most about our marriage. If I would say, come on, kids, it's time for you to get in the tub and get ready to, you know, go to bed or, oh, nope, you can't go out and play because your homework's not done or no, we're not going to do this or that because we've, this is the other thing we have to do. He would never back me up. And in fact, he would take it a step further and he and the kids would gang up on me and he'd say, sorry, kids, you know, your mom wants you to go to bed. And it was always them against me scenario. I felt like that a lot. I don't think I could feel that way that often and have imagined it. It was always Mike and the kids against me. Another example, we would be sitting down to eat dinner and they all wanted to watch TV during dinner. And I would say, no, we're going to turn the TV off or press pause or whatever. And we're going to have dinner and face each other and talk and have a nice family meal. Oh, sorry, kids. He would say, your mom won't let us watch whatever the stupid show was. It was usually something about cars or renovating a bar or some stupid thing. Sorry, kids, your mom won't let us watch TV during dinner. She wants us to talk to each other and, and, they grew up like this, like they were living with some militant dictator. And I'm so sick of feeling sad about that and upset. But you know, Mike, Mike did a lot of harm. I'm going to hang that one on him. He did not do his children any favors by copying that attitude. You know, even if he didn't agree with me, even if he thought my requests were stupid or ill-founded or whatever, he could have said, you heard your mom, you know, she and I want you to go to bed on time or your mom and I want to talk with you about what you did in school today instead of watch TV. I mean, why not support the mother of your children? And therefore that, that unified front would not diminish my authority in the house and would not diminish the values that I had. But instead he took this 
adversarial approach to everything I did. And that has done a lot of long-term damage in my relationship with my children. And I can see that more clearly now than I ever have. And when he said to me in the kitchen on Sunday afternoon, oh yeah, I agree with you. She should not park her truck there. And I don't want to get in the middle of that. I thought, that's right. You don't want to get in the middle of that. You don't want to get in the middle of anything, even when it's clear that as a role, as as the father, you should. God, he, he is really, I'm going to call him an emotional coward. That's what he is, an emotional coward. And I don't say that to try to make it sound like I'm so great and he's so awful. No, there's many times when I behaved badly or my temper got the better of me and I did things or said things I shouldn't have said. I'm not perfect. There's no doubt about it. I do work hard all the time to try to be better. I do. And I talk to a therapist all the time about how I can be better and how to put new tools in my toolbox to be a better person. And I hope that I continue to improve and to get better until the day I die. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect, but God, I supported Mike in every parental decision that he ever made and showed him respect as the father in our house. And I did not get that in return. And I'm going to say that's one of the top three reasons why we're going through this divorce.